Well, welcome to Raw Roaster. We have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm the host of this podcast and one of the pastors here at Calvary Church. I'm the Roseville Campus Pastor. Today, I'm joined by uh, my counterpart at the White Bear Campus, Pastor Mike Graham, uh, who is our White Bear Campus Pastor. Good to have you, Mike. Hey, good to be here. And uh, Pastor, our senior pastor, Sean Winters, is is here with us today in the in the midst of your your study break, uh, yeah, you've some carved out some time to, to join us this morning. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks. Well, Sean, in your, your message yesterday, you, you brought up this really important theme of conviction, uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I thought this is a great topic to, to really press into today and talk a little bit more about what do we mean when we talk about conviction. Um, can you talk a little bit about what led you to go that particular route in your message yesterday? Why is conviction an important thing to talk about? Well, um, yeah, I mean, the, the sense was it kind of rose out of the passage. So I was looking at Luke chapter 14, where Jesus is invited to a dinner party at the, you know, the home of a, a leading Pharisee. There's teachers of the law there, and they they kind of have him. It says that they brought him so that they could watch him, right? So they, they were interrogating him. And then Jesus turns the tables on them, and he asks them a couple really intriguing questions. Um, he shares a parable about some of their heart issues. And then the question is, did they hear it? Did they sense it? And, and that just kind of prompted me to say, you know, how does the Holy Spirit work? How does Jesus' teaching work in my life? And at what point when I'm reading scripture or in prayer or in conversation with others where I realize I'm in error, what do I do with that? When, I, when I'm, uh, you know, the sense that the Holy Spirit is stirring in my heart, bringing awareness of a sin, um, where Christ's words are stirring, where God is. So, so then that's kind of where it came from. But then also, you know, as I kind of unpacked it, it was, it was also just saying, how do I apply this? If I don't want to just teach it, I want to live it. And so that made some um, challenging conversations with God last week. Mike, you've been a pastor for, for many years yourself, and, uh, and I'm sure you've wrestled with this theme of conviction, uh, maybe in your own life and maybe in the life of the congregations you've pastored in the past and here at Calvary. How do you understand conviction in the, in the life of the believer and um, just uh, how, how we should think about conviction from a, a biblical perspective? Yeah, you know, we just had a kind of a production meeting about the word convict, and I've always used it. But uh, in working with some people who are quite across the line of faith or maybe new Christians, I realize that in today's language, the word convict sounds like a judgment. It sounds like um, I've been now uh, convicted of a crime and I'm going to some kind of prison. Uh, and I don't think that is what we mean when we say the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, it is a knowledge of sin um, where the Holy Spirit, as John says, takes what of Jesus and gives it to us. And if Jesus were standing before us, uh, he would point out, like he has done on so many occasions in the scriptures, uh, a way that we've gone that is the wrong way. And he certainly was doing that. Uh, by asking the Pharisees some some pretty hot questions, um, I like honestly for for the few times that the Pharisees did something right, I thought they did something right here. They didn't say anything. <laughs> That's probably best. <laughs> right? They were silent. Yeah. Now the motivation for silence was, oh, he got us. <laughs> 
He nailed us. But I think uh, I think sometimes it is good for us to sit before the scriptures, sit before the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit speaks through the scriptures and applies them to us. And when something really hits tender, just to be silent before God hmm. and go, maybe even uh, like David said to the prophet, um, I am that man or I yeah. am that woman that you're talking about. Uh, I think the, the clarity is that we distinct uh, make a distinction between conviction or convincing and condemnation because God never condemns. He only convinces. That's a great point. And I, I really appreciate that from a pastoral perspective of saying, you know, what is it that we as believers um, experience? And it is that, that prompting. It is that stirring of the heart that says, ah, here, here's a problem. And, and boy, I love your challenge to silence. Um, I know in my own life that there's a whole lot of chatter. Well, what about, what about, what about? Um, that, that comes in like, oh, yeah, okay, never mind. So it's like I, like I arrive at a place of silence before that truth or before that prompting, stirring conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But boy, that's, yeah, that's a not, not an easy spot to be. Sean, in your message yesterday, you went somewhere that I don't think I've seen many leaders go, maybe dare to go. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about what, um, what led you to that process of standing before the congregation and and sharing how you feel like God was working in your own life and maybe bringing some of that conviction in your own life. Yeah. Um, you know, our listeners today may have been at church or may not have been there and may not even be around, you know, a part of Calvary church, but, um, we had, a we had a conversation in an annual meeting at just three, four weeks ago where, where things kind of were a little bit tense. And at one point, and in my frustration, I responded. I had a, a sharp retort that I've been known to have. Um, it's not probably out of character, but it's not good. Um, and my comment was condescending and and hurtful. And so there I am last week looking at this passage and studying over the passage and saying, okay, this is what it's about, and this is what's the matter with these guys, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, what's, you know, what are they thinking? And, and it just was like, God just kept prompting, like, yeah, what about you? What about you? And, um, and I remember I was studying at home, and, and I took a lunch break with my wife on the deck, and I'm like, Becky, I think I, think I need to say something to the congregation. I think I need to apologize. And... and God has blessed me with a wonderful wife, and she's very wise. And she said, well, I think you should do it. I was kind of hoping she would say, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like here, you know, I'm just going on a risk here, sitting just you and me on the, on the deck, um, and then it can be done, right? Like you can relieve me of the pressure of the Holy Spirit. But she's like, no, maybe you should. And I'm like, oh. Yes, I know. Sometimes the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like our, our wives. Yeah, always, almost. Yeah. And I sought some some other advisors. Uh, talked with an elder and his spouse, and and um, they again reiterate: if God is stirring, you should do this. And so, you know, so as a part of the service, then um, where I was talking about being wise and being humble, and and 
being sensitive to the spirit, then I said, I, I just need to take a quick time out and I need to say something to the congregation. And, and I asked for the congregation's forgiveness. Yeah, yeah I have a response to that. And I, I wondered if you'd share, Sean, something you shared with us earlier about being obedient and not thinking about what the outcomes will be from yeah. this, either good or bad. Yeah, I was I was trying to really be thoughtful on how to say so that it didn't come off as blaming, you know, kind of <laughs> sideways. Um, I needed to be obedient to what God has asked me to to do, and I needed to own up to the the choices and the actions that I had. And um, there's there's always when you're thinking about doing that, there's this fear that rises up, and that, and it comes from our own you know self preservation, or it comes from the evil one, or who knows what it's about. Pride, absolutely. Um, but I thought I can't worry about how people will react. I can't worry about the effect of this if someone wants to use it against me. Um, I just have to be obedient in that. And so um, I tweaked it a couple times. I sent you know my text in on Friday and Saturday. I changed it. I thought, I, I'm not sure this is right where I need to be and this is how to best place it in the sermon so that it's the sermon's not about me, but it but I, I do what God has asked me to do, and then I bring it back to who God is and, and where Christ's redemption lies. Um, so it was quite a process to figure out how best to say it. Um, but yeah, I, I just really wrestled with not. I can't control outcomes, and God has never asked me to. What I can do is be responsible for my stuff and the way he's prompted me to act. One of the things I loved about what you modeled um, was that you you were walking in the pasture that you were calling the sheep to. Mm. I mean that you're you're you were willing to go, uh, you were willing to go to those hard places that that um, that you were calling the congregation to. So I think modeling that was just a it, that was probably the best application in my mind of the of the whole message was that you were you were modeling what you were. What you saw in the text, what you what you see Jesus calling us to do, uh, and I think it was a great a great example. Well, thank you, Tucker, and I, I appreciate. It. I know lots and lots of. I, I, I looked out at one point when I was walking through that and kind of explaining what I had done and the request for forgiveness, and there was one older gentleman who was sitting, um, you know, like in the 10th, 12th row, who, who just had his hands folded and his eyes closed and was praying. Mm. And and I was so moved by that in that moment. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I just sensed that, you know, the congregation is, I, I you know, God's word is true. Yeah. And, mm. and um, you know, when I was in that passage, Luke 14, 11, um, those that exalt themselves will be humbled and those that humble themselves will be exalted. I, again, it isn't that we get to control that outcome. We don't get to humble anyone. We don't get to exalt ourselves. But our responsibility is to hear that word and say, Lord, I need to humble myself under your direction right now and, and leave that up to you. 
You're listening to The Raw Roast, where we're having a conversation today uh, about conviction and, and the role that conviction plays in the in the life of the follower of Jesus. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about today's episode, or if you have topics you would like us to address in the future, we would encourage you to email us at podcast at calvarychurch.us. Uh, we, would love to, we would love to hear from you. Well, I think it's probably safe to say many of our listeners aren't in pastoral ministry. They're, you know, they have different types of work mm-hmm. uh, Monday through Saturday. How does conviction and leadership, um, the type of leadership that you modeled on, on Sunday, how, how can that play out in some different contexts in our, in our places of work? So, and, and maybe let's think about, you know, from the, from the CEO to the, you know, the, you know, the one who is in an internship at a, at a place of employment. How can this type of leadership play itself out at a very practical level in other places of work? Well, I, I, I think right away we have to be really clear that God is concerned about every second of our lives, hmm. not just when we're you know, in our easy chair having our morning devotions or at church or doing church activities. God is really concerned about, and maybe in some ways even more concerned about how we deport ourselves in our work situations, because that's really where our discipleship shows up. Mm. Um, we don't think of it as a spiritual uh, environment, but it is. And everything we do will be a witness to ourselves and to others about uh, what we believe. So um, I think, again, to reference uh, Sunday, uh, we had our This Time Tomorrow interview with Dave Berkelbaugh, and he talked about I think he gave two or three great examples about his work and how he cares for people uh, under his charge. Uh, Mm. One time a person uh, wasn't able to uh, fulfill a project because of some other thing going on in their life. And Dave said, that's fine. You you take off. I will do this for you. And I thought, what a... What an example of this passage in Luke 14 of taking the last chair. Hmm. He didn't really have to because the person was responsible for it, but as the leader, he took the last chair and he uh, he fulfilled that. I, I think it's um, just tremendously important. And, you know, as we, some many of us are leaders uh, out there in the marketplace, to really lead like Jesus did as a servant leader, I think is probably something from this passage. Yeah, and, and something else struck me in Dave's comments yesterday. Um, and you can, you can watch those on our website. The, those uh, interviews are recorded there. But but that he is a person who others can talk to, and, and they know that he'll treat them the same the next day. And there's just so much in that, that, you know, no matter where you are, whether you're an intern or you're a CEO, the people in the workplace are finding themselves increasingly isolated lonely. Um, people need a place where they can have conversations and care. And I think as a Christian, we can offer that. Um, you know, as human beings, we should offer that, but particularly as, as followers of Jesus Christ, um, we, we can offer that care and that connection, that listening ear, the grace that God has given us. We pour out to other people, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to care for you. I'm going to listen to you. And even if I disagree with something in your lifestyle or something that you talk about or believe, I'm still going to treat you with honor and grace. Um, that's just so vital. I want to look at this word conviction a little bit from a New Testament perspective, because I think 
words, I mean, words are so important and the way we use words are important. And I think sometimes we, we probably use words, you know, in our context, maybe slightly different than they were used in their original context. Uh, so there's, you know, there's three words that this word conviction in the original language is, is, is generally translated. There's, of course, there's the word conviction as we've been talking. And then there's rebu- rebuke and uh, reproof. And, you know, rebu- rebuke has a very harsh mm-hmm. <laughs> connotation to it. And maybe to a lesser extent, uh, reproof does as well. Um, what, uh, what insights can we gain if, if, by comparing some of these different words of conviction, rebuke, and reproof? Is there, is there a difference between these three words that you see, or do you feel they're v- virtually synonymous? You know, um, yeah, I think we were talking earlier that, that conviction, or Mike, you shared that, conviction can, can sound to us like the end of the court case, right? Like at the very end, the jury comes back and there's a conviction that's delivered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we're talking about in the Holy Spirit is much more of the reproof, which is probably not a word we use a lot, um, correction, uh, a rebuke, which is maybe a little bit more of a, a candid confrontation, I think the spirit comes with promptings. I think the spirit sometimes comes. Like, I think my dad used to say sometimes with a two by four. I, yeah, that's kind of a harsh way, but but it, it's much more of that rebuke. Um, you know, we, we talk about conviction, but not in a sense of a final condemnation. I think backing it up to saying comes in the life of believers to prompt us to stir us. Sometimes it's it's a little bit more confrontational. And that can be the work of the Spirit in us, or, or it can be a caring person who comes and with grace and kindness mm-hmm. is very candid and says, this is, this is going to really cause problems if you don't address this. And, and that's good. It's not easy. We talk about things that may hurt, but we don't want to be in a place where we harm. But hurt is okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, I you know this reminds me of Revelation three nineteen, a, a fantastic verse in uh, relation to the conversation we're having. Jesus is talking here. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, and then he says, "So be zealous and repent." Hmm. And how does that? How does that? Play, how have you seen that? You know, play itself out in your own lives. Um, you know, maybe even just personally. Have there been? You know, we've. Sean, you've already shared a, just the a most recent example, but are there other examples in your own life where you've seen this uh, reproof and discipline play itself out and then really that uh, impressing call to repent uh, from what you're doing? Yeah, I, I don't have to go back very far, Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> it was just last Saturday. I was out on my new deck, which is my new favorite place, and um, was reading about judgment and about the scripture where it talks about the measure in which you judge that will be applied to you, which is kind of a scary thought. Yeah. And immediately came to mind, I had been angry at some people and I, I realize anger is, you know, your dignity emotion and, you know, it's a, it's a real emotion and it's, it's not necessarily sinful uh, but there's a timer on it, right? Paul says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. So you're on a ticking clock at some point because anger can go off in so many bad directions. And for me, anger went into judgment. And I considered myself, 
And anytime you judge somebody, you you put yourself in the superior position. And my goodness sakes, I I had within a couple of seconds, I believe the Holy Spirit, um, you know, downloaded about four or five names of people that I had been angry with, and then I had begun to judge. Hmm. Uh, I had not let the sun go down, and um, I tell you what, it was not. I didn't feel condemned. I didn't feel um, hurt in the sense that someone that he that God hurt me, but I felt hurt that I wasn't following in the life of His Son. And uh, I, two of those people, I texted immediately in the middle of my devotions just to say, one person, hey, can I get together for coffee with you? Another person was just an encouragement, praying for you, love you. Um, I tried to go the opposite way of where my judgment had gone. But at the end of the day, it was one of the most exhilarating experiences to be disciplined by the Lord. Mm-hmm. It didn't get a sense. I was hurt, but I was hurt because of my actions. I wasn't hurt by God. He brought it up gently. He brought it up assertively and specifically. It's not a general sense of sin. It was this sin and this person. Um, and I just, I actually thought about that a number of times when Sean preached yesterday about the conviction. I thought, yeah, <laughs> that happened and it and needs to happen. That's interesting. It's specific. Like you get a name, you even have the phone number. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you bring up a great point, how closely tied together um, the, the requesting forgiveness as well as doing the work of forgiveness. Because oftentimes, maybe always, that that place where we need to confess and ask for forgiveness is also a place where we need to do some prior work to forgive, mm. you know, because it's been conflicted. It's been rancorous. It's been, it's been difficult. And, man, that's just really good. And, and oftentimes, the Spirit stirs in our hearts, man, you need to let go of this. You know, one of the things I've found in my own life, too, you know, very similar to what you were saying, Mike, is that proximity to someone you are, um, you know, maybe having a difficult time with or you're prone to, to judge can go a long way. So, you know, sitting across the table from somebody and having lunch or coffee, and we've talked about this before on a previous episode, but that alone can begin to break down walls, just going to be with that person um, and hearing from them and listening I think can, can go a long way and it's so easy in our day when we might be more connected but we're more distant from others than probably any other point in human history and so I think that the proximity to the other person can be huge when it comes to reconciliation and it almost requires it uh, by very nature of the the word reconciliation, absolutely. You just started my my thoughts about uh, family, and and again, maybe like no other time, our families are you know at a distance because kids go get jobs other places and they're in other communities, and then we get together twice a year because a holiday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And boy, if there's un, <laughs> un untreated problems if there's bitterness roots in that family system if there's old wounds you can just kind of fake it through thanksgiving right you can kind of pass through and and again it's doing that work it's at those moments where god stirs 
you know, Mike, as you shared, um, you know, I was just thinking about some stuff in my, my own family system that I probably am still holding on to, and I need to let go of that. And, and then, then Tucker, you're like, okay, so why don't you sit down and have lunch with them? Well, that's, that's a good challenge. I'm, <laughs> man, I, I'm going to quit coming around here. The conviction is just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's heavy, but, but it's yeah. good. It's, I mean, right. Yeah. Like you said, it's like, it's, it's such a great sense of, Lord, this is where I need to be, and this is the work I need to do. And we, lunch, and lunch covers a multitude of sins. That's I right. think is <laughs> yeah. scriptural. Depends somewhere. on the lunch. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> you know, Jesus says, "I say to everyone." This is Matthew uh, chapter five, uh, verse twenty-one. Everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and wh- whoever says "you fool" will be li- liable to the hell of fire. Mm. So, so Jesus isn't messing around here. I mean, he's saying this is super serious. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Why does Jesus say, actually, first go and seek reconciliation on the horizontal level before you go to, to God in worship? What it seems like it would be the other way around in my in my thinking, but Jesus flips it. Hmm. What is it about those horizontal relationships that impact our our vertical relationship? Yeah, I think it's our worship. I think those horizontal relationships are our worship. When we're going to have that reconciliating coffee or lunch, uh, yeah. So maybe that was a false that, dichotomy <laughs> I made there. That's worship, yeah. and. Um, uh, you know, other otherwise, it's you know. I think Jesus kind of pointed out it's hypocrisy. You know, if we're oh Lord, we're we're so grateful to be here with you, and there's that thing. Yeah. And notice it was wasn't even me having something against somebody else. It's somebody else having something against me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I knew, and I might even you know have thought I wasn't in the wrong, but you know that They're person still irritated. Is, yeah. 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 With me, then I've got to go resolve that. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really, yeah, really important. And, and we have this value, or our, our mission statement here is building relationships, seeing Jesus transform lives. And and boy, that is, it, it sounds great, but I think it's biblical. I, I think the idea of being in relationship with other people is is what it means to be a Christian. And it, yeah. it is a place of worship, um, that we are built for relationship. And we need to continue to say, how do I live at peace with all people as best as I am able. I mean, we can't fix every situation. Some people won't resolve. Some people won't let go. Mm-hmm. But to do the best we can yeah. um, to, to bring some resolution is going to be just part and parcel of what it means to be a believer. We only have a few minutes left here. Uh, and Mike, I want to begin with you. What's one practical bit of wisdom you would leave with our listeners? Yeah, this is really... Uh, well, this is just a practice that I have started to do more often, and that is I'll, I usually try to read a chapter of Scripture uh, a day, and I have, have currently decided I will, keep, I will read until I sense that push by the Holy Spirit, stop, here, this is where you need to pay attention, hmm. and then 
versus just trying to get some scriptural real estate accomplished. Yeah. Uh, I stop there and I say, okay, what what's going on here? Ask myself, ask the Holy Spirit. And that's where, that's where I spend the rest of the time. I realize that I, uh, that means all those nuggets at the end of any chapter I'm not going to see because I usually stop <laughs> sometimes within a two or three verses, you know. Uh, but that's just a practical thing that I do. Uh, and it's so cool because the Holy Spirit will use Scripture and, and make a transaction uh, in that moment. That's really good, Mike. Sean, how about you? What's, what's one practical bit of wisdom you'd leave with our listeners? Um. I'm going to go back to just something that stirred in me last week that I talked about in my message, and that was this idea that even Jesus, who's a miracle worker and a master teacher, um, didn't change people's hearts by force. There's space for human agency. There's He allows us to make a choice. And so just kind of owning that, like e- even, even being um, under the, the leadership of God Almighty, Christ, Holy Spirit on the inside, even with access to the Word of God, um, I, I can't just stop there. I've got to say, okay, what, what application? How do I, how do I respond to this? Lord, help me in my weakness. Um, so it's it's just it's kind of owning that, and so that would be my challenge to people is just to, um, as Mike shared, boy, sense where God is stirring, and then try to make practical applications of what obedience looks like, yeah. and then follow through, like. Like make it tangible, make it doable, and then do it. Um, act on it, not by your strength, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit. I think the the thing I would add too is uh, you know to to not resist the Holy Spirit's promptings. Uh, when the Holy Spirit is prompting you, confirm it with Scripture, mm-hmm. be in conversation with others, and then act actually respond. I can't think of another C, (laughs) but to act at the end uh, in obedience uh, to what the Holy Spirit is prompting uh, you to do. Well, I want to thank you, uh, both of you, for for being on today. This has been a good conversation, and it has been a little convicting, uh, I might add, just uh, as we've talked about this, this important role. Um, of the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you as our listeners. If you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. Again, I would encourage you to send us an email if you have any questions about today's episode or if you'd like us to cover any topics on future episodes, you can email us at podcast at calvarychurch.us. We would love to hear from you. It also helps if you leave us a review wherever you listen. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to having you join us again next week.